in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host from right here in the Steel City, Mr. Chad Robinson. How are you doing, sir? We are, this is going to show up in November, I think, but I did complete my horror movie challenge for October, so I am, I am living pretty high, enjoying it. Okay, yep, and Chad, I'm excited. Do you know why? Why is that, Russ? We have a first-time guest and a great movie to cover today. Coming to us, also from the Steel City, Ms. Caroline Glidden. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thanks for having me, Russell and Chad. Now, today, there's a movie here I really love, and I quote it often, but it made me sit there and think, what's a movie that you find yourself maybe quoting the most? Like, just in your everyday speak, or... um, to, to get a laugh or whatever, uh, Caroline. Well, this is actually really embarrassing because I thought about this question and I am the mother of um, two preteens. And so I often quote um, Austin Powers. That's awesome. I, <laughs> I say, I'm hip, I'm cool. So I feel like that comes up almost every day because they do not think I'm very cool. No, I love it. And Chad... What is your movie quote that you probably reached for the most? I don't even particularly care for Anchorman, but I love the quote of, I immediately regret this decision. I use that so often. <laughs> That's a good one. And honestly, with decision quotes, milk was a bad decision. Comes up more often than you would think. Milk was a bad choice, yes. Uh, Especially but, after Indian food. Yes. I, I am a big Will Ferrell fan, but I will agree with you. I, I don't necessarily love Anchorman the most of his work, but it is one of the most quotable movies. It's a very quotable movie. Yes. Um, mine is comes from Rat Race. I, I'm an architect, so I really like some of these lines from movies, whether it be Derek Zoolander saying, like, what is this, an institution for ants? It has to be at least three times this big. And another one that I really enjoy from Rat Race, though, is when – uh, Mr. Bean or Rowan Atkinson comes in and he goes, look at this room, this room. Have you seen this room? <laughs> and and then John Lovitz goes, yes, we're in it. My wife and I use the, it's a race. I'm winning so often. So Caroline, what's the last movie you saw? Well, actually my husband and I were in a hotel um, and we just watched Legends of the Fall. Somehow I missed that in the 90s. Oh, that was not Matt's choice, was it? No, he actually really liked it. Ooh, I mean, what? Okay. So that's out, that's out there for everyone. I have not seen Legends of the Fall for a long time and think I'm due to come back to it myself. Like, uh, so how was it? Was it, did it go down well though? Oh, yeah. I absolutely loved it. I thought, how have I missed out on this movie for all these years? It, like, epic, beautiful scenery, great cast. 
it was awesome. Sounds did good. You like, did you like Legends of the Fall? Me? I, yeah. I, when I was, I saw it when I was younger, and I don't have full memory of it. I remember being like, "This is pretty good," but like, I don't have great. I definitely need a refresher. I mean, I was young when I saw it. You weren't so. of the age to appreciate it. Correct. <laughs> so, Chad, what about you? What's the last movie you saw of, of your 31 days of horror? Well, this is additional horror, but uh, this was by my daughter's request. So for one day only, they put Nightmare Before Christmas back in theaters. It is the 30th anniversary, which is ridiculous. My daughter goes, that movie's old. Well, I'm I'm 39, so therefore transitive property. But you know what? We both love the movie. She had off school today. I had off work. So it was daddy-daughter day and had a great time getting to see it on the big screen. I didn't get to see it in the big screen when it came out. So, Wow. I did see it when it came out, and it did make an impression. But it's one of those that grew with me over time which we did cover that one by the way so yes it left me out on i really wanted on that episode everybody wants on that episode yeah but today what are we going to be covering chad today we are going to be covering russell guest's favorite movie by by guest choice what about bob from 1991 that's right this is Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus, Julie Haggerty, and Charlie Corsmo coming together here uh, for 1991's What About Bob? It grosses $39 million. Sorry, its budget is $39 million. It grosses $63.7 million domestically. It comes in at number 19 on the box office. It comes in just behind Hot Shots and just ahead of 101 Dalmatians, the re-release. So I did see that one in theaters. Yeah, that's not the remake. That's the classic Dalmatians that you know. Right. Disney just does this. They release the same content. They get all of your money again. So 20th on the box office for an old movie. It's amazing. And Terminator 2 Judgment Day was the number one movie in 1991. IMDb gives this a 7.0. The critics of Rotten Tomatoes give this an 82%. And the audience score is a little bit lower at 79%. And Leonard Moulton said it's a very funny outing with Murray and Dreyfus approaching the relationship of the Roadrunner and Coyote. He only faulted the film with for its ending, which he felt was a bit abrupt and silly. And Roger Ebert loved this movie. He gave it a thumbs up rating and praising the different performances of Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus on screen together, as well as most of the film's humor. He said it was Bill Murray's best film since Ghostbusters. I think that's fair. And Gene Siskel was not too keen on it. He gave it a thumbs down. Because he's a party pooper and doesn't like fun. So, <laughs> he Chad, does like fun. It's just uh, Dreyfus was too mean for him. Well, more on that later. But, Caroline, <laughs> had you seen What About Bob? And what was your, was it like coming back to it today? Um, what About Bob was one of my dad's favorite movies. So, we watched it in my childhood and preteen years. And I remember thinking it was hilarious. Um, so revisiting it was a lot of fun. And I actually think I thought it was funnier watching it as an adult because Bill Murray, I personally think Chad is a comic genius and every single thing he did was hysterical. Every body movement, everything that came out of his mouth was just spot on. And Richard, the chemistry between um, he and Richard Dreyfus was just palpable. So I loved it. That's amazing. And, uh, 
Chad, why don't we sandwich these things together here? You're, you're making a face that makes me concerned. I'm really worried at the facial expression I'm seeing here. Had you seen this before, Chad? So I've I've had this statement a lot this year. Of these are my least favorite episodes. I absolutely hate doing episodes where somebody else is highly invested in the movie. It's like, this is a childhood treasure. Now, Chad... Just destroy it. And uh, I had seen it a very, very long time ago. And I remembered nothing, practically. I remembered the door scene at the cabin. And that was uh, about it. So this was as close to a new, fresh watch as I could possibly have. That would be like me watching Legends of the Falls. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. With different different feelings. I don't... I remember putting it in the category of well, that's a movie that happened and just moving on with my life. And so Russell's asking me, he's like, please don't ruin my favorite movie. Are you going to be allowed on this podcast or not? I will say it went a lot better this viewing. And I was very concerned because I'm not a Bill Murray guy. We had our Caddyshack episode and I wanted to recast Bill Murray. It, he just, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. He's great in Zombieland. Well, as previously advertised, this is my number one movie of all time. So <laughs> I love this movie. And yeah, there was I no thought, debate which one we were picking from that list. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm the easiest to please. I give the most five star reviews on this podcast. But if there was such thing as a six star review, this is it. I'm, I'm spoiling my rating now, but I'm just telling you, I got this movie when I was young. It hit the rental store, so I probably got it maybe like a 92 or something like that. So it was, but still pretty current. And I was young. I just thought Bill Murray was funny. And then as I got older, I continued to have these unlocking experiences. You start to see the, you know, the boys might be closer to my age at that point. And then maybe, you know, Anna's story with as a teenager and from the perspective of a teenager and then coming at it from an adult, and then now as a parent, and all these changing perspectives on it, and then also differing understandings of you know, the characters themselves. Quite honestly, I showed this to my niece when she was very, very young, and she also went through a lot of these same, same gyrations, and she just would look at me and say, he's got a lot of problems. Like, this guy's, this guy's weird. And I was like, yes, he is, and it's very funny how he's presenting it. So a lot of the problems that this guy has are real problems. And they're not funny for the people who have to deal with them, but it's, it's an amazing balance that it's just so much humor with heartwarming feelings. And that this is something that really works for me. So when you take a comedy and you also have that feeling good moment, that heartwarming component, that really goes a long way for me. So what that does for me is this makes it a movie I come back to when I don't feel good. I'm sick. I want to put this movie in. If I'm with people that I haven't seen it with before, uh, it is a movie that I've enjoyed. I've introduced this movie to so many people. I'm not Mr. I'm, I, if you know me, I'm actually more likely to say, listen to this album than <laughs> watch this movie. And I, this is a movie that I have probably introduced to people the most because I'm, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not the first Bill Murray movie you might reach for, but to me, it's his best performance. And it's definitely one of those great movies that just makes me feel great. Never fails. If I'm on an Island, this is my one movie I want. 
because it's the one movie that's there for me the most. So oh, I love that you both have such strong opinions. This is great. <laughs> well, Russell, you can breathe a sigh of relief. This is not going to be a breaking away episode. That hurt. <laughs> we need a redo on that one. <laughs> or even a Caddyshack, yeah. yeah. Please please don't have Brian Fry and myself on a podcast with annoying children doing annoying things in a comedy. It's not going to work. But there will be spoilers that lie ahead. I don't think this is a movie you want spoiled for you. So absolutely enjoy it, watch it, and we will be back after these messages. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, We've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. All right, we're back and this is your final warning. There will be spoilers that lie ahead. So Chad, for those who haven't seen this movie since 1991, do you want to give people a refresher? Bob Wiley, a multiphobic personality characterized by acute separation anxiety and extreme need for family connections, is transferred to renowned psychiatrist Dr. Leo Marvin. Dr. Marvin is headed on vacation, so he gives Bob a copy of his book, Baby Steps, tells him they'll meet again in a month. Bob becomes increasingly anxious and fakes suicide in order to track Dr. Marvin down at his summer home. Bob quickly endears himself to the locals, who have somewhat of an axe to grind with Dr. Marvin, as well as Dr. Marvin's own family, all the while driving Dr. Marvin closer to insanity himself. The film comes to a climax when Dr. Marvin attempts to blow Bob up with dynamite, and thinking this is another psychiatric challenge, Bob manages to free himself and inadvertently blows up Dr. Marvin's home, much to the delight of the neighboring Gutmans. Dr. Marvin becomes catatonic and is institutionalized while Bob marries his sister. Dr. Marvin revives, but is too late to object to the union. We find out Bob has now written a best-selling book called Death Therapy, and that Dr. Marvin is suing him. Oh, man, just makes me get happy even hearing you talk about it. So, Caroline, one of the things that this movie does is it deals with mental health. And today, the attitudes on mental health have shifted a lot. Is this movie still funny in 2023? Yes, I think I think it's hilarious. And I think one of the things about Bob is that he's totally aware of his problems, but he's so endearing and lovable. And I think that he's a great poster child for mental health as he goes through the story and seems to heal himself. He, he needs a family. He desperately, <laughs> desperately wants people. I've even wondered this before sometimes. I mean, uh, if this person needs their person and they have their person, would this even be a problem? And yes. uh, this movie, this movie is uh, this movie is a gateway for that. I'm not a mental health expert, though, so may, that might be oversimplifying things. But I have to say, I, I like what you said there of 
Yeah, he's got a lot of problems, but we but we still love him. He had his person. He had his person, but unfortunately, she loved Neil Diamond, and that is grounds for divorce. So I, I'm actually on Team Bob there. I, I also loved that scene when he didn't pull out the napkin to get into the car. He's like, do you guys just use the car, babe? And then she, she's like, it's just us. And so then he mm-hmm. put his napkin away. So just with what you said, Russell, about family, that was like a beautiful picture of how family was helping to change Bob. I loved that part. Yeah. And uh, what this movie just thrives on, as you mentioned earlier, is the contrast. I mean, Chad, you'd like a good villain. <laughs> now, Gene Siskel clearly didn't appreciate the large presentation here, but are you enjoying Dr. Marvin being driven to literal insanity himself? Oh, I love Richard Dreyfuss. I, th- I think he's wonderful in this. I do question the rest of his family. So here's the information they know. There's a mental health patient who needs do this. desperate psychiatric help, who stalks them, fakes suicide, harasses them. And then they're like, you know what? Please sleep in my adolescent teen's bedroom. And everyone is okay with this. I understand the 90s are a different time, but man, Dr. Marvin was justified. Like, this dude is a problem. I had that same thought in that scene as a parent. I thought, I don't know if I put Bob in my son's room, but... You have a couch. We're in a comedy, for one. And for two, it's very important that this movie makes you not like Dr. Marvin. Oh, no, like, no. If, if, I love if, Dr. Marvin. If, if, you, if you sympathize with him at all, you miss the point of the movie and you have to watch it again. Because he is, he, is, he is narcissistic. He doesn't care about his own family. He only talks about his book. His, very self, his self-aggrandizement is there. When he finds out a theory that his patient has committed suicide, he picks up the phone and maybe seems shaken for two seconds, but then he immediately shakes it off and just says, eh, not going to let it ruin my vacation. Right. I mean, right. you know, there's just so many moments in here where he drops the ball with his own family. This family's seemingly adoring him. You wouldn't have a family that's that connected to you in real life if you were as he was in this. But that's important. That is that that all goes into Richard Dreyfus is making sure that you don't sympathize with him. I mean, he shouts at the Gutmans and indignantly. I mean, he becomes unhinged himself. I mean, he's. I mean, he resorts to breaking into a hardware store and buying explosives. Yes. And he's so pretentious. His puppets, when he talks to his children. Yeah. <laughs> so Even his children's names, like Ziggy and Anna, it's just, he just reeks with, I don't know. Well, that's, that. yeah, that's a, that's a psychiatrist joke, apparently, that I did not catch yes. right away. So Sigmund, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud. And Anna, I believe, has connections to the Sigmund Freud family as well. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't catch the Anna reference, but Sigmund, yeah, that's a that's a pretty obvious one. Yeah, and Caroline, it's not just the fact that Richard Dreyfus is going off the wall, it's that everybody loves Bob, and that's the yeah. other thing. What about Bob? Yeah, I mean, the feeling that you have towards him, so it's just funny to see this character who is driving, clearly is capable of driving people nuts, but then is so lovable. I mean, that's, see, this is the part where you're saying, I'm not supposed to sympathize with Dr. Marvin, but I totally do, because this is the villain of his story, and he can't convince anyone else that this dude is unhinged. 
and a problem. Nobody is listening to him, which is a weird, weird scenario. It's a funny scenario, but it's very strange if, hey, dude hopped a bus, fake suicide. He is now here vacationing with us. That's true. Oh, John, it's so funny that you don't like Bob. I don't. He's so lovable. I love how he also, whenever he talks about Richard Dreyfus, he's, even though Richard Dreyfus is like seething with anger, he always references him like, oh, he's. That's his best friend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just so far above us. The other thing is that this movie really layers on as it's going along. I think that, uh, Caroline, do you want to talk about the evolution that we see? As you mentioned, Bob slowly gets better, but also Dr. Marvin's driven to the point of insanity and they're happening at the same time. Um, yes, I love that. I, one of my favorite scenes, obviously, is the I'm sailing scene. Um, but another scene that I love so much is when he helps Ziggy dive and how Ziggy is so afraid of diving mm-hmm. and he won't dive with his dad, who's you know, overbearing and Richard Dreyfus, who Chad loves. Yes. But <laughs> but then because Bob is so aware of his own fears and expresses them, then Ziggy feels empowered to show Bob what he can do. I think that's like a beautiful scene of his vulnerability and what makes him so endearing. So I feel like that's one of the scenes where you start to see Bob kind of growing. Um, and then, of course, I love when he um, – says the correct prescription for Richard Dreyfus as he's like, (laughs) he's like, actually, don't you think it should be this? He said, Um, but you just see him growing as he um, builds a relationship with the family. That diving scene drove me nuts because I've been there. I, I attempted to teach my daughter how to ride a bike for something like five plus hours and I was getting nowhere. And my wife took over and within the first five minutes, she's riding a bike. And I'm just like, ah, why? Why? I'm still taking credit for that, but I, I sympathize with Dr. Marvin there. But yeah, it's, I love that you love Stop Dr. doing it. Yeah, stop doing it. Chad Chad does this. He likes Scar from The Lion King. He likes, I don't, you probably like the burglars from Home Alone. I mean, yes. Like, I how, mean, how do you not like the wet bandits? Um, we like to laugh at them, but no, they're not likable. They steal, they steal change from the charity bucket in front of the pharmacy. That's so hilarious. No, um, but, well, Pathetic and hilarious, yes. All right, um, all right. but 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna come to your defense, Chad. You can you can YouTube this. Um, if you look up what if what about Bob was a thriller, they take the same preview that is for this movie, and they just put a blue light filter on it, and they change all the music because the mu- the music is very silly and funny, and you know always keeps you know as you mentioned. Is it a good idea to put him in our bedroom with our kid? No, but at this point in the movie, we as an audience have come to establish he is of no harm and the music and everything, the tone is guaranteed to this. So no, that's not smart, but the preview crops down certain things and it makes it look like uh, it is, it, it, it's very funny. It's very funny. So what if, what about Bob were like the psychological thriller of this man who's coming in to take over this man's family and, you know, and so- Call me daddy. Doesn't he say that at one point? Uh, the dad. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yes. I'm just here to stay on and be the dad. And yeah, I'm here to stay on and be the dad. <laughs> You're such a good friend. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the things that just really does it for me. When you have this thing that's so not true, and you have all the other characters responding, um, 
we talked about like when we covered the Marx Brothers, Groucho Marx is very surreal. He's out there. He's just, he says the most bombastic things. Everybody responds to him with seriousness. And it's funny when that happens. Like he's saying preposterous things and people are like, oh yeah, you're the leader of a country. Yeah, that sure, whatever. I mean, but here it's the opposite. We have one serious guy and everybody else in this movie sees the benefit of Bob and seems to like him and has, has been won by his charm. So it's surreal in a very different way. Yeah, the, because the Gutmans are just using him though. And I oh, yeah. I love them so much, but they they know. They're in on it. They're like, this dude is a loose cannon, and we are just gonna point him in the direction of our enemy. Yeah, the Gutmans are a great detail. They make you laugh every time they come on the screen. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. See, uh, that's a major part of this movie's success because normally you've got Bill Murray. He's a tour de force. He's amazing. But he doesn't have to carry this movie on his own. And it's not even the juxtaposition between just him and Dreyfus. Julie Haggerty is very funny just by saying things. She's an airplane. She's an amazingly. She's so underrated as a comedic actress. She's she's great. She can deliver a simple line of like, we've decided we'd like for you to stay here tonight, Bob. And like, it's done. Like, that's a that's a banal line. Like, that doesn't sound that great. But like, when she does it, you know, like you as an audience member know how much this is driving Dr. Marvin crazy and how this is the wrong thing for a wife to say. And of course she would know that in real life, but then she says the thing that you wouldn't say. And that's why it's hilarious. So. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the, the daughter's like, Bob Wiley's fun. (laughs) That is hurtful. That is hurtful when the, the guy you're trying to get rid of is the fun guy. Everybody loves him. Like, yeah, that I can absolutely see how that drives someone to absolute insanity. Cause and, to your point, he's the one sane person in this and everybody else is acting insane around him. And, you know, with his son wanting them to dive, I mean, Bob is literally afraid of diving himself more so <laughs> than, than, than this boy is. And so it's, it's a very endearing scene to watch that happen. I mean, but that's kind of true to life too. I mean, as a parent, if you're being really firm on your child and you're telling him like, you know, I want you to do this thing. I want you to do this thing. I want you to do like, it becomes militant. It becomes like something that doesn't work. And so the goofy soft hand nature of like, you know, Bob going like, I can't watch. No, please don't do it. No, no. And then the kids just having fun with making him uncomfortable making him cringe which is a total kid thing that that they do and similarly you know if you're trying to get your kid to do something it's very possible an aunt and uncle or just the guy next door could even be like you know here i'm gonna teach you how to throw this football and it's like perfect spiral all of a sudden and meanwhile you go back in the house and be like i've been saying the same thing for three months yes (laughs) you know but i mean that's one of those things that i didn't appreciate until i was a parent as much. And that's one of the things that just amazes me at the way that this movie is written at different levels. Yes, Chad, you do need to see the, the, what if Bob were a thriller? Cause I think, I think your, your first takeaway was that. Oh, it's absolutely that. What was the, you movie watch too many that, horror movies. What was the movie we covered? I am blanking on the name where the woman is stalking and gaslighting. Um, to die for. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's essential. Kidman. Yeah. Yeah, it's essentially that. Right, exactly. That movie is kind of funny too, by the way. 
Fair enough. Different. Yeah. Different. This movie's dark humor. That movie's very dark. Yes. <laughs> Talk about how this movie is different for Bill Murray than a lot of his other movies here. What makes this one a strong performance from Bill Murray, Caroline? That's a really good question, Russell. I feel like I'm intimidated because you guys are the movie experts here. No, I'm I'm an idiot with opinions. <laughs> this is not Chad's guy, so you, I promise you, you're going to be. It's it's your own it's your own experience. What makes you want to do this movie versus I don't know yeah. other things that he's done? Well, I think I like this movie because he's his like really silly, goofy self. Like I love, uh, you know, in some of his more recent films he's takes on more serious characters like lost in translation or whatever but like i love like even when he walks down the street like remember that scene when he's walking down the street and he's just running from side to side yeah he's yes. ridiculous like all of his movements just make me um very physically all, gifted yeah he's yeah he's great at physical comedy um I, I read one thing about when he dives into the bed in that scene when he has a sleepover party that it actually made the actress laugh out loud because he dove in um under the sheets and caught her off guard and and she was laughing and um but um i just i thought it was great he reminded me of like elf um will ferrell who is the only other person i could think could play bob in this movie is will ferrell but i it would be a very difficult movie to recast but that is probably don't you think he's the only one though he's got that goofy lovable endearing yeah i think he could do the neurotic side of things well who would you get? Who would you get to do your Dreyfus if you had to do it today? Oh, that's a great question, Chad. Who do you think you love him? I I do. Who's Who's the angriest? Like Lewis Black, I would love Lewis Black <laughs> in this role. It, it's a very different and very very much more profane. Like Siskel's down on the anger of Richard Dreyfus, but I want to I want to ratchet that up a lot. I was gonna say I, th- I think you went up. Somebody who I always go to for who does a good slow burn is Ben Stiller. Oh, that's mm. a good one. Yeah, I can't, like, I can't get like, on board with that. He would probably be a more gentler um, Dr. Marvin in the beginning, but he'll work, he'll work his way there. Yeah, that's a good one. So um, get those Zoolander guys back together. That was another great one. I, I think Bill Murray in this one at this point in his career is doing something we don't necessarily see a lot. He has a very direct matter of fact, confident, you know, sarcastic. I'm not taking anything seriously. I'm the class clown and I'm just, you know, deadpan delivery and I'm cool. And Bob is not cool. He is, he's going to pieces, you know, he has to sit there in his own apartment. That's like, we even see, like, it's not an act. He sits around, I feel good. I feel yeah. great. I feel wonderful. Like just to rev himself up in the morning. And Bob, I think Ebert called him a, uh, an unmade, a human unmade mat, uh, sorry, a human unmade bed. And, you know, his hair's all over the place. He's, sure. he's going to pieces and, Bill's good with those physical motions and he's good with those big extremes. And he is playing afraid in that way that I was being mentioning like before, like as you would do with it, almost with a child of like saying like, I'm afraid of something just to make somebody laugh. He does it so well. Like you don't really feel bad for Bob and that's essential. Like the movie never wants you to go there. Yes. Cause I think he has this childlike quality that, you just fall in love with like I mean the scene when he's eating her food isn't that the best scene in the movie? Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. Mm, 
is this hand shocked? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and just watching all of their faces, uh, they are so enamored with him and think he's so funny and cute. And then Richard Dreyfuss just looks like he wants to like peel his skin off. It's such a great scene. Oh, absolutely. I think it's so great to see the dynamic with, with Siggy, the son of Dr. Myron. I mean, it is white watching another a young boy <laughs> like even yeah. his own sons being like it's like i want nothing but peace and quiet and he's like i'll be quiet <laughs> i'll be peace and he's genuinely like like he's just like that's so funny to him and i it, mean they did feel like two children together in that scene absolutely well they were literally jumping on beds and right. you know i mean the tourette's <laughs> if you watch it on tv it's a lot more toned down i i, I admittedly probably think that i'd I don't know. I guess I did watch it on video first, but I saw it on TV many times before owning it. So in my head, I I remember all of the toned down Tourette's. Okay. I will say overall, this movie is pretty PG compared to comedies today. I would say it's, you know, pretty family friendly film. That's true. There's been a big trend down in comedies in general, but even before that happened, I think you, but you just pointed out there, like John Hughes wrote a lot of these really good comedies that were family friendly, you know, Steve Martin or um, John Candy or the, uh, you know, Home Alone was an example of it. You know, there are these family comedies, Uncle Buck, you know, these are movies in the nineties. This is the heyday for these live action things that are, they're funny. They're primarily written for adults, but a young group of people will like them. And they are either a very soft PG-13 or a very, you know, aggressive PG. And that's a perfect place for a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old to walk into and just have a great time. Maybe even younger, five-year-old maybe, and have a very good time with. I don't think that's a hard thing to write for, probably. But also, it's almost gone. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Now they're so crude. Well, it's almost like... They condescend or say, like, at this point, we're going to make, I don't know, an animated, like, you get Penguins of Madagascar. Right. And, like, you know, I can I can animate this in a studio for cheaper. It's going to have an even lower age appeal than that. Like, like I said, like, we're going for the, we're going for the two-year-olds and the, you know, we're going for everything like that. And this notion of this live action comedy that the family can enjoy. There were even other ones that were geared at kids. And I'm looking more at things like. I don't know, the Mighty Ducks or, you know, um, uh, things are like, this was written for children in some cases. Those are gone too. Um, And some of them weren't good. Like some of them were like Jungle to Jungle. Oh, (laughs) come on now. (laughs) What did they do to catch astray? Well, my point is you don't see a lot of things like, like that at this point. And I think Caroline is right. It's funny. I find myself still probably reaching for these same type of movies and they're getting to be quite old at this point. And I- I'm sad because, I mean, it's really funny when someone can do something that is very funny. I mean, somebody like a stand up com- comedian like Brian Regan, who can walk in and be that funny and maintain a PG rating is almost impossible at this point. Yeah, that's but true. also a very admirable skill. Like, wow, if you can do that, you're really funny. It is. It is. It's like, you know, it's almost like you're playing the game at a very high level. Yes. Yes. Like, it, you know, Eddie Murphy is very crude and he is very funny. But, um, you know, to be able to make someone laugh without doing that, 
he does it when he's donkey, so he, he can go there. But I mean, it's almost like he has to go into overdrive to be able to. It's like it's like when you're watching Eddie Murphy roll, then it's like part of it's just easier to wow people and go like wow. So this movie didn't necessarily have to go to those things. It just is a very surreal movie. This is not a reality. Like you said, Chad, this isn't a movie where people behave normally around him. No. So. No, and I, I think you both nailed it with Bill Murray. I'm I'm not usually a fan of his. He's, he's more of a miss for me, but I think this role is different because his tone is very, very different. He's a, he's a sweet, naive character as opposed to pompous, arrogant, condescending. And the humor is just different when you're using that type of tone. Mm-hmm. And he's relishing, well, I'm sure we'll get to the stories from the set, but he's relishing annoying Richard Dreyfus during this entire filming. Now he has a lot of other bad behavior, but while he's in the scene, he gets to play off of truly irritating Richard Dreyfus and Dr. Marvin while also making the movie better because he's doing it. Mm-hmm. That's true. We saw this in Caddyshack. Rodney Dangerfield and Ted Knight. Ted, thank you. Rodney Dangerfield Dangerfield irritated Ted Knight so intensely. And they were at each other off screen. They didn't like each other. Now, Ted Knight's a classy dude and didn't like get down his throat and they weren't like coming to fisticuffs or anything like that. But they just didn't like each other. And, And Rodney loved irritating him. And in a similar way, Richard, very serious, good actor. I mean, Bill's a comedian who can't stay serious for very long. And when you put these guys together, Bill improvs constantly. Like, you know, it's, it's two worlds colliding. It's two ways of working that are completely different. And yes, Bill Murray got really angry with him at times. And, you know, there's one story where he got like an inch away from his face and shouted at his face. He's like, nobody here likes you. And like, you know, through a whiskey glass by his head. Dreyfus says he's tried to hit me, but I think he probably would have hit him if he wanted to. I mean, nobody probably did like him, though. Oh, no. I, I think Bill Murray was the one nobody likes when he shoves a female producer in a lake and then breaks her sunglasses and threatens to hit her. There was a, yeah, so what you, you're saying, yeah. So he, he did pick somebody up and throw them in the lake and... Yeah. So, I mean, Bill has these moments of intensity off screen that have really come out in the last two or three years. And I don't want it to take the sheen off of what he does on screen too much. He has an anger management issue for sure. I mean, he and Chevy Chase kind of deserve each other because it seems like similar stories come out. They don't like each other, but the same type of stories are coming out of this dude's really funny, but he's also a huge jerk. And in a similar way, if you let the cameras roll and let them bounce off of each other, it just wonderful things happen. So I really actually want to give Dreyfus an enormous amount of credit here. He's able to hold it together, and I don't think it shows. I went this long in my life just thinking, these guys are pros. Yeah. You know, I, I imagined that they got off the screen and sat down and talked about, well, what would be really funny if I get your goat by doing that? And like, he goes like, why don't you do this to me? Well, that's I'm describing Bud Abbott and in Lou Costello. Like that's how they work. They relish, they relished annoying each other in the, on screen and were true companions and friends, dear friends off screen. Um, 
but they got on screen and you know Lou would slap them around. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, here we have a different dynamic completely. Where I don't want to say it's method acting, but it's that tension off screen cannot help but boil into Roger, Richard Dreyfuss's performance. But all the credit in the world for him being a pro to channel it properly. Yeah, definitely. So. It doesn't show. I don't think the performance hurts at all, by the way. So I don't know if that's to Oz's credit or to the editor's credit, but, you know, that's just credit all the round. Yeah, everyone agreed it made a better movie. It's just, it's a sad fact that they had to be separated by bodyguards hired by Disney just to deal with each other, like just to keep them away. I didn't hear that. They had to have bodyguards to keep them apart? Yeah, everyone went home for a week after the incident with the female producer. So, uh, because Richard Dreyfuss stepped up and got in Bill Murray's face of, hey, don't, don't threaten our producer, male, female, whatever. And that's when Bill screams, you are tolerated, which is a funny line, actually, <laughs> as far as someone yeah, great. The, There are some great, like when he and Chevy Chase get in a fight on the Saturday Night Live s- sketches and like somebody, people are restraining them physically. And, you know, Bill Murray is yelling at him, mediocre talent. <laughs> like, I mean, like, in, even in a fit of rage, <laughs> like what you having, the man is still funny. So, I mean, what a great con- like, what a great put down, mediocre talent. <laughs> so, I just think that all those things are coming together, and like, there's this amazing thing. So, Frank Oz as a director, we always think of him as being Master Yoda, Miss Piggy. Yes, I mean, he's the puppeteer, but. We covered Little Shop of Horrors, which I I gushed over that movie. I love that movie and his direction on that movie. Also, there's dark content and coming together in a very playful, presented way. And here we are again. There's no puppetry this time, but I there is puppetry. There was puppetry, yeah. Yes, there is. (laughs) Yes, of a very different ilk. Yes, good point. I never I never made that connection. So. I like Frank Oz and what he brings to this so much. Um, and I can tell it has his brand on it, hmm. you know, to be able to let Bill Murray and little shop of horrors, just go to town with Steve Martin and that dentist office is just so funny. And here he is again with the whole movie of having to capture that magic. Bill, the editor said it was very, very hard to edit this movie because Bill Murray never says the same thing twice ever. And so you have to take different cuts of different processions and you have to get people's reactions and you have to be sharp. Like, you you know, if you can't, if you're not flexible, which is why I just said Julie Haggerty is really funny on her own and totally this doesn't, I mean, she's a major part of why this works. So do you think when he's saying stuff like in that mm scene when he's like, is this hand shocked, that kind of stuff, do you think that's Bill Murray just yeah, being Bill Murray? Yeah, that's not written in the script. Like that's just Bill it. Murray just, you know, and then he would do it again and probably say something different. Yeah. So, I mean. But all the actors and actresses in that scene are losing it. And I'm guessing they're genuinely losing it. And they just, they're blessed because they get to keep it. They get to keep that in the shot because there's no way they weren't laughing. The only oh. one that isn't is Richard Dreyfus, who I have to imagine is channeling that rage. Like this had to be filmed after 
the ashtray and everything else got thrown and the whiskey glass got thrown at him because otherwise even my worst enemy i'm laughing that's a funny scene it's good camera work and good editing but if you look for it there are a lot of times when the reactor of bill murray's is sometimes cropped out of it or cut away from because he made people laugh on the screen so hard so in order to get the comedy gold you have to zoom in a little more on bob to crop other people out we covered bordello of blood i think it was recently as well cinematic masterpiece yeah, it's, not, it's a different kind of movie. But Dennis Miller just didn't want to be on set with anybody. And so he, he just had every, he had a, he wanted himself shot so he could just walk out and then nobody else had to be there with him. This is the opposite of that. And that movie lacked chemistry. But in this case, everybody was in the room with Bill Murray. And, but it is very good editing to be able to make, to make it all come together. Because again, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel stitched together at all. Hmm. No. No, I didn't think so either. I just, want to ask at this point like what are some of those things because i mean the superlatives capture some of it but what are some things that just make you smile in this movie caroline gill gill the Around fish his neck the fish i just love gill do you love i mean it's just hilarious all those little details i don't know if it's frank oz i don't know if it's bill murray but they're just amazing I like how his fish must also be neurotic too and it has to have a fresh bowl of water to be into he's gonna scream Yes. He's about to pop. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the movie got me because when he walked out the door, like he lost his fish. He left the fish and I was instantly concerned for the fish. And I thought to myself, uh, this movie's doing its job. It made me care about the fish. And sure enough, he comes back. Like they weren't just going to leave me hanging. But yeah. See, Dr. Marvin, see, Chad, he wants to eat Gil. <laughs> That's that's fine. That's understandable after being no, put through the ringer. Yes. Yes, it is perfectly fine. I mean, that's part of the escalation, though. This movie escalates beautifully. Yeah, there's another anchor man. <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. Well, it, it happens immediately. Ten minutes in their office. It's already starting to climb. You know, I've come back in the office. I've overstayed my welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know, I can't tolerate being away from you. And they lay the groundwork very quickly and it goes to work very quickly. One of the things that Siskel didn't like was how big and uh, how he said Dreyfus never starts small. It That's not true. I, I see a transition in Dreyfus's performance. He is, you know, unfeeling, certainly. And, un, you know, watching him be a therapist is funny. You know, just unfeelingly like, he's like, talk about this, Bob. Like in a very unfeeling way. He has a desk between him and his therapist. No therapist actually does that. This looks like the boardroom of a corporate tower on the 40th floor in Manhattan Tower. Like this isn't a therapist's office. I like that they portray it like that because it makes him seem like a very uncaring therapist who's out for his book and his image. Well, that was an unscheduled appointment. He just shows up and barges in. So he may have had the couch and everything else, but he's just trying to get it over with. But you're right. I, I'm surprised as far as Richard Dreyfus playing it too mean because he starts off. I don't get angry. I don't get upset. Like this dude has shown up at his vacation and we have all this other awful information and he's still reasonably tolerant of Bob. Like he doesn't want him there, but he's not screaming in his face. He's not calling the cops. He's not 
saying, go away, screaming. He's like, I will call you at four. Wait for me and I will call you at four. He's taking time out of his vacation to call him. And he even goes through the take a vacation from your problems. So there's a little bit of patience there that I commend. Like I wouldn't be as patient. Exactly. I mean, and when he goes mad and crazy, I mean, he he gets to several steps beforehand. I mean, he you know he does the get out of my house, like you know. Yes. I feel like his breaking point was the Good Morning America. Oh, good point. Yeah. He kind of snaps and starts to go downhill really fast after that. And I love all those scenes after when people say to Bob, "Hey, weren't you the guy from TV?" Yeah. This. Oh, this is so great. I felt like that's when he started to really go downhill fast. I love the one where he was in theory sedated and his doctor friend who's just like, it's a lot really. I mean, the book, the TV interview, which quite frankly didn't go very well. <laughs> right. You shouldn't have let him sleep in your pajamas. Like all, all of these professionals. Because you see his reaction when Bob says that of, hey, you let me come on vacation. You let me sleep in my your pajamas you let me use your toothbrush and there's just the realization of all of this is wildly under unprofessional and is now being broadcast to everyone out there <laughs> mashed potatoes and gravy diane right. <laughs> it's the man what can we say i love how he ends up taking control of this interview and again he needed it because also dreyfus was really funny while he was choking <laughs> like you know rigidly reeling off he's like well my book's greatest accomplishments, and like he's so stiff and rigid. Great job. Even his family's sitting there going like, oh, no. Right. It's like the boom goes the dynamite guy. Like It's just like, oh, no. This is going very badly for somebody. I want to do – I want you to succeed, and it's not getting better. And Bob's so complimentary of Dreyfus, like over the top. This man changed my life. <laughs> I love it when he talks to his family too. It's like, what's it like living with a genius? Yes. <laughs> well, it's not great. <laughs> it's like, he dropped me in the lake. My whole life flashed before my eyes. <sighs> lucky you're only 12. Right. <laughs> you're lucky you're only 12. That was a good line. It's like, it's like it was still pretty grim. I love the transformation that Siggy goes through. Like he's so he's in paradise basically. This this vacation house looks amazing. And he's so droll and and um you know pouty and wearing all black and he's like, Why are you wearing black all the time? Maybe it's in mourning of my lost childhood. Yeah, I I was over that kid pretty early, you know, my issues oh, don't, with movie what? kids. No, he, he came back. He redeemed himself. He became far less insufferable. But to start this movie off, I was like, please just let this kid. I was rooting for Dr. Marvin to drop him in the lake. And he did. And I, I was <laughs> delighted with that. Like, Just uh, nobody rescue this kid. Well, Charlie Cosmo, um, it's hard to say that you have like a favorite young actor necessarily, but I mean, he really did do some pretty awesome stuff early on. He did Dick Tracy. We just covered Hook earlier this year. Yeah. So he's, he's in that. He's in What About Bob here? I mean, young actors don't get multiple good swings at the bat. I mean, Macaulay Culkin did. I mean, he was like a cultural phenom at the time. And some of the stuff he did wasn't very good either. It's just, but you know, it just had him in it. 
Charlie Corsmo is awesome in this, I think. I thought so too, Chad. I, he, also, I said he redeemed himself. He's fine. Yeah. One thing I, I read that I thought was interesting is that they wanted Robin Williams for Bob. Yeah. Would, would probably be good also. I yeah, mean, I Robin is so good. But who was trying to get Chevy Chase for Dr. Marvin? Like, it was tumultuous enough. We don't need that dynamic again. I know Caddyshack was a phenomenon, but uh, yeah, that that was risky. I I like the sentiment of it, but once you understand their history, probably not. I think Steve Martin might have been a good one. Yes. Yeah, for Dr. Marvin? Yeah, yeah he would have done a great yeah. job. Because like planes, trains, automobiles, John Candy, he lets John Candy be the goofy one. And he's yeah. the straight man, even though he's completely, he's the jerk. I mean, he's, he's Steve, Steve's another one of those brilliant comedians who I just think he can be funny in lots of different ways. Yeah. Although Pink Panther is my favorite. Wow. I don't know. Have favorite? you seen it? We're, we're big fans of the original. We actually, I really like, I really love the original so much. I haven't seen the original. And oh. I was just recently introduced to Pink Panther and I laughed so hard. I'm going to, I'm going to recommend to go back and check yep. out, I okay, mean, check out and then it. listen to our podcast. And as okay, we talk about, there we go. Shameless plug. We sound like Dr. Marvin plugging our baby steps book now. You know what? Yes. We would, we would like advertising money. <laughs> People download our podcast. Good morning, America can come interview us. Yes, absolutely. That would, that would be a terrible interview. <laughs> I guess you can, you can interview us on a great lake house and then blow it up afterwards. All of that sounds doable for me. What is it with Bill Murray and explosions? Like, is this his early career? I haven't watched enough of these, but I, I feel like this is now a thing for him. Well, I have to say his delivery of the line of like, Bob, where are the explosives? <laughs> in the house. Like in complete innocent, like, yeah. like <laughs> blank look on his face. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Sending him into a catatonic state. That's, that, again, that's Looney terms though. Like even a therapist, even after everything he's been through is not going to literally be driven to this point of insanity. But he is, and it's funny to watch. And his sister. He's so protective of his sister. That's <laughs> such a great reason. Yeah. Even, even from the get-go, uh, like I love it when he walks into the office and he instantly takes an interest in their family, and he goes right up to the picture, and he guesses all their names, gets it wrong, miserably wrong. He says, no, no. And then he goes through them, each one again. It'd be pretty weird if he got it right. And so you're having a different kind of movie. But Chad's, because, Chad's version. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you're if you're doing it this way with so much effort and passion of just like, I'm really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even close at all of them. But he does declare. He's like pretty close. Yeah. It's like Lily, pretty close. I, I enjoyed watching. They're very minimal scenes when, when they're together, but once you know that they get together and upon further rewatches, all of those things pay big dividends and rewatches of just like, it's like, give me an update. Okay, I will. <laughs> like and like the little look, of the face that he comes off of, like, I have a crush on her. Yeah, it's like, it's just, these are things that Bill Murray just does. Like, that's just a smile and rolling his eyes up in his head. And it's just funnier when he does it because he is such a skilled comedian. Yeah. 
Also, we haven't mentioned his shirts. Do you <laughs> love is, shirts in the movie? He's great. The local. The oversized. Yeah. Oversized. Like like visibly a size is long. Homer's a tall man. Do you have any idea how long like how long a shirt must be to make it look that long on him? So great. Do you think he made that choice, or do you think that the costume people said you're going to wear this shirt? I think usually in movies, I think costume people help you with these things, but I certainly think he might have. I, I think whenever you're that funny and you're the driver of the movie, you're help. You're it's a collaborative effort, I, I imagine. I'm sure he was the one that proposed messing up his hair throughout. Like it just gets the hair was the hair is so good to the disheveled look. Yeah. I mean, he has a receding hairline. He has a longer. A, like amount of hair than most people would have with that cut it's pulled back accentuating the receding hairline but then it goes flaring out at like around the ears and like down towards the neck i mean it is you know even if you have this hairline which is problematic and you know that's nobody wants to deal with that when that happens to you but i mean it's uh he accentuates it and makes it as bad as possible on purpose and it just really drives up the I don't know. The it makes all those little motions of quivering and being scared or walking down a hallway like his stiff motion because his hair moves like a. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit exaggeratory, but like it's like clown hair is a big hair yes. kind of thing. It looks like clown hair, and then Richard Dreyfus wears those super preppy short shorts. Yes, long socks. Like they just styled him perfectly. He uh, also has this like beard that is like I- I'm not like Mr. Beard guy, but like. That beard is tight and it is edged and it is like perfectly groomed. And like, that is like, you know, he's, it shows how much he uh, is into a certain, they're contrasted by their visuals and what they wear so well. Yeah. As well as, as well as this Ziggy. Yes. I enjoyed watching your face, Russell, as you're talking about receding hairline and losing hair and it growing wild. There's a bit of sadness in your voice. You're like, this is potentially my future. It, it, it's, it's coming my way. I mean, I mean the good uh, news is you'll be funnier. Uh, <laughs> our co-host Brian's ahead of me a little bit in this in this regard, so I will never be smirch or make fun of sending somebody for that one, knowing that it could well be in my horizon. So mm-hmm. Chad Chad is over there with a big grin on his face and a full hair in a full hairline. It's the same as it was when he was 16. Yes. <laughs> got good locks, Chad. Let's talk about Lake Winnipesaukee, Caroline. This movie is actually shot in Virginia. It's uh, not necessarily where you might expect it. It's Lake Winnipesaukee uh, is in Montia, Virginia. Smith Mountain Lake is what we're, we're, we're It is a real house. But um, do you think they nailed that small time in America getaway? Yes, I thought it was perfect. You've got the Gutmans. You have um, the little store in the little town center, the beautiful lake house. It seems like the perfect getaway. It's actually a popular place to go visit for movie like site locations. There's multiple YouTubes of this one because it is a ghost town now in Virginia. That little town is 100% abandoned. Huh. Why? Yeah. Why? It's a it's a total ghost town. So people like to go take videos and be like, "This is where what about Bob was shot? This was the general store where he comes, you know, and Bob gets off the bus going, Doctor Leo Marvin, out in the street." Which that's not an effective way to actually find somebody, but I love that that's Bob's way of doing it. Yeah, and and he found him. It was effective. It was, and that's why it's even funnier because it worked. 
the retirement home, sorry, the, the mental institute that he's taken to is, uh, is a retirement home, a very large one, and it's even nearby, and the house is a real house on a lake. They blew up a model. But so if you go to Montea, Virginia, you can actually see a lot of these things. Uh, the house is pretty far back off the road. You're not going to actually be able to get out to the docks and dive yourself um, without getting in trouble. But you could probably get a boat and go like the Gutmans and go out there like, burn, burn. I love those two. They're boating at night. It makes no sense. But I love that they're there to enjoy it. I mean, that's their entertainment. Like their hobby is spying on Dr. Marvin, and this is they've made an enemy for life. Yeah, well, I mean, I looked at it that that model's pretty good. It's a three quarter size model, so it's still pretty big. But I, uh, we've we've sometimes I've sometimes made fun of set pieces from earlier eras. This is a this is a good model blow up that they. Did. I would have never known it was a model. It I helps mean, that I'm it's not a servant, but. It helps that it's at nighttime. Well, you're not going to blow up that house. That house was nice. <laughs> Give Michael Bay the budget. They're absolutely going to blow up that house. <laughs> um, one other thing, just referencing the small town and the bus trip. I also love his puking. And then when he says false alarm. <laughs> and, a fall, and a paper bag. Yes, the hyperventilating. <laughs> when everybody applauds when he gets off the bus. So oh, good. it's so good. Yeah. Yes. So he is legitimately annoying to some people as well. It's not everybody just loves Bob, although he does win over the whole staff in the mental institute where he is. That That's true. is amazing. Like this movie is, you're towards the end of the movie at this point, but like you've already think they've pushed it to the point of exaggeration. They, <laughs> I love it when movies do this. They push it out even farther. And it's amazing when they go there and he's just charming the whole staff. <laughs> and then Leo is later admitted. Yes. Yeah. yeah, even his initial psycho psychiatrist, he says free when he hangs up the phone. Like he is, everybody's done with him initially. It's great. Well, we can talk about the camera work here. So Michael Ballhouse is our cinematographer here. I think it was interesting that Frank Oz got him because uh, we had him in broadcast news before and these dirty rotten scoundrels, which Frank Oz worked with on there as well so he's going back to somebody he'd worked with before but this is the same guy who did working girl with mike nichols and goodfellas with martin scorsese and uh he would go on to work with francis ford coppola the next one with bram uh bram stoker's dracula uh the very following year it's interesting that this is a oscar nominated cinematographer he later did gangs of new york with scorsese again he worked on the departed with scorsese which is another movie we covered again. This is not normal, the normal camera work of a comedy movie necessarily. So uh, you have somebody who's coming in here with a lot more skill and a lot more clout. And at first I looked at that and I had thought to myself, that seems like overkill. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I thought so too at first. But upon watching it this time, and I've seen this movie so many times, I noticed a number of times when the camera is really reinforcing the comedy. Like when you see Siggy's feet down by the water first and like the camera pans up to watch his dad trying to get him to dive, you see the very small stakes that are at play, the, com the comedy. You hear them before they come into frame. And uh, there's these moments like when 
he's breaking into the store and the it, the way the camera's shooting this is adding to the crazed mentality of what's going on here. Uh, the angles that they shoot Bob coming through the hallway make it seem tighter. They add to that claustrophobic feeling that he has. And, you know, normally a comedy, you just turn up all the lights and you take high key lighting and you just, the camera's moving a lot more and it's following the characters a lot more. And it's, it's actually pretty impressive with what you see in here. And it's, this is definitely not something I can pick out in every single movie, but when you've analyzed a movie to this degree, um, I will say uh, this is somebody who had worked with Scorsese before, but it, it is, it is surprisingly good. You know, I, I think there's, there's some sequences too that are just really impressive. The one thing I noticed in the I'm um, sailing scene, mm -hmm. I love that the camera's part of the joke because it's like it starts with a camera just on Bob and his life vest saying, I'm sailing, I'm sailing. And then it pans out and then you slowly realize that he's strapped to the actual boat and then you start to laugh. Like, I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. When he's running, when he's walking back to town and you see him up close and he's starting to kind of lose it and he goes, I'm, it's okay. I'm out here and I'm all alone. That's okay. I'm out here and I'm all alone. And then it like zooms way out to this really far shot. And like, he's like Bill Murray's taking up running serpentine down the road, like having us, you know, like he's, he's flipping out. There are a lot of these moments where that's a camera decision. That's a Frank Oz and Michael Ballhouse working together to do this. And I just wanted to say like, um, that's impressive actually for a comedy. So you don't have to have an Oscar winning or sorry, Oscar nominated cinematographer on this, but it kind of helps. It's a good comedy. And the, this is just one another level of quality that this movie has been given that probably goes underappreciated. But if you really stop and think about it again, I have covered a lot of comedies where Chad's right. You know, we recorded all the information that it was required to be funny. <laughs> you know, it's it's about the actors and the performances here, but there's craft taken on the direction side of this as well. So one of those other things uh, I wanted to mention, Caroline, is do you enjoy the music that, that, that we have here? This is a great question, Russell. I was hoping that you would have something to share about the music. <laughs> I, I wrote down entirely forgettable. <laughs> it, it's from the it's from it's from the it's of the era for sure. So we've we've transitioned out of these like booming loud eighties, like you know very present. I'm aware that I'm watching something with the montage and stuff like that. So it's more understated than that, but we do have a little bit of the the music is almost designed to like follow the character around so as bob walks around the uh, bob walks around like there's this like i'm following bob with the music to respond to him and uh i think i enjoy it it keeps the mood light and again if you wanted to see what what happens if you don't have the right mood from the music uh there's that trailer that we mentioned about before where what if bob were what if, what if what about bob were a thriller instead and it's amazing what changing, taking out the yellows and desaturating the greens and yellows out of the film and changing the music does. Yeah. You know? I, again, this is a comedy. That's, it's not what they have to do. You, you can enhance it, but it's not what 
not what we're here for. Right, right. I don't know how many times a comedy comes up with a great score necessarily. I mean, sometimes you have a soundtrack like Beverly Hills Cop, where it just like becomes virally in your head. Shrek. Yeah, something like that, maybe. But um, I think Ghostbusters is another one that, you know, it it had this song that was larger, took on its own life. We don't have anything like that. But we've kind of exited that era of film to some degree at this point. Nor have we gotten to the MTV phase where the soundtrack is pumping up the out like the we're not to that um like i remember america pie like none of the songs necessarily correlate to anything that's going on they're just tons of trendy bands that's made to sell a soundtrack and to pump the movie up yeah so we haven't entered that phase either so this is that area there that's in between um i uh i want to say that it does fit the mood though so i like it um chad this you seem like it's innocuous but not not inspired I like my bombastic 80s music. I like everything that you hate. So here it's it's fine. It's not enhancing. It's not taking away. It's there. It's cool. Again, that's not what I'm here for. Do you feel like uh, the moments of, as things were getting more exaggerated towards the end, like they were capturing Dr. Marvin's madness, Caroline? Like he's going down and dancing by the docks, like kind of like, you know, in the moonlight, you know, going crazy without do you feel like that's coming do you feel like that accentuates they like coming unhinged yes yes that's a good point i do think it does accentuate him coming unhinged at the end and you see him kind of disintegrate rather quickly you can lean lean into it looney tune style bugs bunny yeah. is the best for using kind of uh out of copyright music to show moods could have done a little more here, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you want to go, you want to go full blown the mask on this one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Okay. What do you say we hand out some superlatives and some awards? Ready. Caroline, who is your MVP of what about Bob? Well, that one is easy for me because it's definitely Bob. I feel like he stole the show. Everybody in the movie is asking, what about Bob? Because he was so fantastic. And that's the reason I go back to watch it again and again, because he's so funny and lovable. That's a great choice. Chad, are you going to be different? (laughs) Of course. Of course. It wouldn't be a fun podcast if we just went, I agree. So I went Richard Dreyfuss. The movie title has Bob in it, but this is really about Leo's slow descent into madness. And I even disagree with Siskel. I think Dreyfus nailed the anger and meanness. It's the right amount. I don't think he's overly mean. His, his reactions are somewhat understandable given he's being stalked and harassed. <laughs> I think I think this movie correctly goes well beyond. At some point, you'd call the police. Probably upon him showing up at the house, knowing where you actually live at that point. Failing to, like once the gutmans drop him off. So, But oh. it's a comedy, and we don't do that. And I'm glad we don't. So, And I'm not going to be different. I'm going to be right there with Caroline. This is, this is, this is Bill Murray. This is, this is to me, his best performance. I, I love that confident Bill Murray you have in like stripes and ghostbusters and groundhog day. But I like this Bill Murray even, even more like that. You know, he's very lovable. This movie does not work. If you don't like Bob. I'll agree. Yeah. I think this is a better, this is his best performance. Yes. 
I was actually surprised. I was looking on some website where it was ranking Bill Murray's performance in movies, and they gave What About Bob like number 20. I was like, what? I mean, it, it's kind of like what's your favorite? You know, do you like chocolate or vanilla better? I mean, like I said, if you like Ghostbusters the best, I would not fault you. I think Caddyshack's also its own thing where he's playing a confident idiot. Like, you know, that's very funny too in its own right. So I don't know. I think I think there's a there's a I'm not saying he does the same thing every time, but normally he's a sarcastic, you know, on top of it kind of guy who's the cool guy. And, you know, Groundhog Day, he's making fun of everything else around him pessimistically and, you know, or that Ghostbusters, he's floating through everything. So I, I, I don't know. I think this 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 Bob special. This is this is a special Bill Murray performance, and um, obviously later on he goes into a very deadpan, dramatic presentation as well. So unfolding a later portion of his career. Darn you, Wes Anderson! <laughs> a lot of Wes Anderson, whole lot of Wes Anderson. Uh, Caroline, best supporting. Well, I feel like my answer is kind of boring, but I'm going to have to say that it was Richard Dreyfus because without Richard Dreyfus's performance. Um, Bob's wouldn't be as funny and cute as it was, but Richard just did a great job. Like Chad said, um, he was so annoyed and it just fueled Bob's character. It was fun to watch. Um, the only thing about him is I found him almost unlikable. I didn't think he had too many redeeming qualities. You're supposed, I think, I think this movie struggles if you start to sympathize with him though, in fairness. Like, yeah, that's if you true. really start to like him, then Bob <laughs> okay. becomes annoying. And that's where yeah, not that's where you, you don't want this movie to be there. Like, like that is not good if Bob becomes annoying. Obviously, you it's funny if everybody's annoyed with him on the bus, but you as an audience member should not be annoyed by him. Yeah, agreed. Chad, how about you? You went you went uh, Dreyfus for this one, so I'm curious to know where you're going with supporting here. I went uh, with the kind of anti-hero slash villains here. Tom Aldridge and Susan Willis. They are the Gutmans. They're great. Their whole feud is just hilarious. I Every time they show up with that running gag in the background, I laughed every single time. So I, I, I love it when they're in the diner and, and she keeps going, uh, S-O-B. <laughs> she never says that. <laughs> she never says that. <laughs> And when the house blows up, that's a pretty good crescendo. But when they sit there and they're cheering, there's no reason for them to be on the water at that time. But when they no. just go, burn, burn. At night. Yeah. There's there's no on top. My husband doesn't laugh a lot in movies, but he laughed every time the Gutmans were on. They were great. Yeah. Dropping him. So when you rewatch it, him, them dropping him off is pretty great. <laughs> like that seems fairly mundane initially but then once you understand the hatred they have for them and what they're actually doing that's great and i love it when they're on tv watching dr marvin fail so bad on tv and they're just cheering like boy, bobby like like right. loving loving what's happening so you're right chad like they at no point do they fail it, it is it is the spice that that need each one of these scenes needs yes agreed I I did say Dreyfus as the great supporting here because this movie's gonna fail without the the foil that you have here and for all the reasons that Chad put him for the MVP and as as you said, Caroline. So I'm just gonna give a nod to Julie Haggerty. She is really funny as Faye Marvin. Like she's 
she eggs on these situations that should not occur. She has Bob stay. She doesn't perceive what's going on with her husband. She's also enchanted by Bob. And that's part of the surrealism that's going on in this world. This doesn't happen in real life, but she does these things so well. And it's she has this very nice voice that is somehow cartoonish in a way. And it really works for comedy. She's amazing in Airplane as well. She she delivers ridiculous lines with seriousness that equal very funny results. And that's a very special underrated quality that she has. And I wish that she would have gotten even more roles out of this at her time. It was a time when maybe female performers might not have been fully appreciated for their comedic uh, talents. And Julie Haggerty is underrated across the board and on Ooh. airplane she's underrated here too so Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. and mm -hmm. i like she made dreyfus seem even worse than he was i know she was so tame and sweet and soft-spoken and he was so aggressive yes exactly so he's she's the foil to the foil it's a double yes. wrapping of foil so <laughs> you're not going to spill these leftovers with all that foil so <laughs> caroline who is your hidden gem or what is your hidden gem well, that's hard because I wrote down the Gutmans, but because they've already been mentioned, I'm going to go with Gil. Ah, uh, the fish. <laughs> I love Gil. Gil's great. And they give him a nice opening, too. They give him, he's the first thing you meet as the credits are rolling. So I actually just wish he'd been in the film more. Well, he doesn't get eaten, so that's good. Yeah, that's true. I, I did use the Gutmans as well for here. I went a little farther down down to them so i mean they are great so if i had to pick somebody else betty's pretty awesome in the call station that was my pick marcella lowry yeah yeah but uh so chad yours is betty then yeah i she was really funny and you kind of believe that she's sweet enough to be that naive when bill murray just walks in playing a detective and asking questions a detective should not be asking Right. And I love it when he does the whole like, and where would that be? New Hampshire? And he puts his hand on his forehead. If I were to send him a letter. What? <laughs> so good. Line, yeah. That whole scene. Again, he's faked his suicide. This is dark humor. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel threatening because of the preposterous way it's presented. And everybody else playing it serious, even though it's ridiculous, is important. So to a kind of similar degree to what we said Julie Haggerty was doing, I think. Um, who'd you say it was again, Chad? Marcella Lowry. Marcella Lowry is doing the same thing as well here at a smaller scale. Hmm. Recast. If you had to recast somebody and put somebody on their place, kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but Caroline, who would you recast in this movie and who are you putting uh... in their place? I really struggled with this one. I couldn't think of anybody that I would recast. I sometimes I'm a chicken and I just go really deep in the cast. And this time I'm doing it again. So, but Chad, what about you then? What how about you? Uh, Catherine Irby. She is 26 years old. She's playing Anna. And I know this is kind of the era where we're doing this, but seeing as how Nev Campbell is 18, go cast Nev Campbell in this. Oh, okay. You know what? I think Catherine Irby is really good in this. She is. But I didn't realize that there was that big of an age gap. Somehow, there's, 
there's a 10-year age difference between her and the mom. Wow. Did not... She looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I went with the Dr. Carswell Fenstrewald who calls Leo to give Bob this character. It's a very small scene. It is very funny. And Brian Reddy is the guy who does it, and he's, he's actually pretty funny. But what if it's John Lovitz making that phone call? Oh, yeah, I like it. Here. I was thinking Wallace Shawn, but either way, John Lovitz would be very funny. Yeah, I think I think him being disheveled with a tie, like unhinged, emptying out his boxes in his office as quickly as possible, slimily passing him along to somebody he, he may not even like. I've thought right. that I've thought that since then. So it's like I know you don't like flattery, Leo. It's like, well, you know me. What about uh, so, Caroline? Is there some is there some little opportunity that you might want to inject somebody in there? Could be the call center. Could be the bus driver. I can't think of one, but I'll keep thinking. That's okay. Could put Chevy Chase as the bus driver. That's true. You could, or John Candy. John Candy. Yeah. Yeah. John Candy's around this era. That that would be great. You could just drop John Candy in the waiting room at some point. (laughs) Another person who needs help. All right. Best shot. Again, when you, when I started looking at this, there are more of these good ones than you would think. Caroline, do you have a favorite shot? Well, I mean, the shot as a child that I always remembered was of course the I'm sailing scene that used to always just make me laugh. That probably would be my favorite shot in the movie. It's really well shot. Like yeah. you see him from his shoulders up, he's got the life preserver on. He's, you know, you presume he is sailing. He seems very happy and pleased with himself. And that, that zoom out's incredibly rewarding. <laughs> I love how he continues to celebrate it well after everybody's walked away from him and he's still tied to the boat too. Oh, I also love what he says, I sail. I just let the boat do the work. That's, that's, the, that's, <laughs> that's the real secret. <laughs> All this is just rage-inducing to me. When, when they're walking in the distance and he's no longer on screen and he shouts, he's like, I'm a sailor. Ahoy! Yes. Yes. Oh. That, that's so good. Yeah. When you're talking about you're not supposed to dislike Bob, that was pretty far into the territory of, like, he had to reel me back in because I, I was fully ready to side with Dr. Marvin. That's when you hated Bob was the I'm sailing scene? That was the most, yes. It was oh, so man. irritating. <laughs> this, oh, it's, it's a pretty good sight gag. He's, he's, he's thoroughly lashed to the mast of the ship. It's amazing. All right. Well, Chad, what about you? What's your best shot then? Because it's not going to be this. No, no. Apparently my thing is Bill Murray movies with explosions. So I'm just picking the three-quarter scale model house blowing up with Bill Murray in the cake. Like, oh, that is great. And then the bonus cut to the Gutmans, who shouldn't be out on the water in the middle of the night, just chanting, burn, burn, burn. Love all of it. I like that. I probably would pick the sailing scenes in line with Caroline, but I do have a runner up. And mine is when Leo is just losing it he says you think he's gone he's not gone that's the whole point he's never gone and then he opens the door and bob is just very close to the screen like like a half an inch off the screen and he goes 
is this some sort of new radical therapy? And Dr. Marvin is like split screen in there. He goes, you see? <laughs> that, that's actually very good. And you also do a pretty mean um, Leo Marvin. Well, there you go. Richard Dreyfuss, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very impressive. And I love it. So this, the way they use the door, the way they use the space, they do a great job when he comes to visit and they pan through the house. Like they, they use the camera. They, they kind of set your expectations by sending you in some directions and then there's Bob. So again, Bob being there is one of those things as they're leaving. That's another one of those good moments where Bob kind of lingers and sticks his head in as the good morning America people initially just overlook him and he works his way into there. So, well, best scene, Caroline. Well, I feel like I already talked about it, but my favorite scene has to be when Bob eats dinner. I knew it. <laughs> it's amazing. It just makes me laugh thinking about it, all of the things he says, everybody's reactions. It will always make me giggle. Yes, this is where the family is absolutely smitten by yes. him. Yes, they're just... And the seething Dreyfus. It's great. And it culminates in that most absurd Heimlich maneuver. Like, that's not how one does the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, that's a great part. He's just jumping on him. On his back. Like, he lays him down on his stomach, on the couch, and he's just jumping up in the air and landing on his knees on his back, which would wreck your spine. That would wreck your spine. <laughs> and he's still the hero because he's your ribs. helping. <laughs> yeah, the family screaming hit him harder. Yeah. That, that, that makes it. Oh, man. I remember when I was watching that as a kid. I laughed hard enough. My sides hurt. That's one of my first memories of laughing that hard at a movie. And, you know, I looked over at my dad and he was laughing about that hard too. And it was just one of those electrifying, like comedic moments. And I have laughed that hard at that again. So if I'm in the right company, that one absolutely gets me. It's a great choice. A lot of good dialogue there. Good acting. Chad, do you have a best scene? The Good Morning America segment. I think that's just very clever. It's classic sitcom-esque where there, Bob winds up taking his chair and starts answering all these questions and suddenly they're more interested in him. And Dr. Marvin at the same time is just failing everything. He's clamming up, doesn't know what to do. He's getting embarrassed. It's great. I love the people coaching him, just sit down, just <laughs> yeah. sit down. <laughs> And he's like, in the in the other chair? Yes. <laughs> I love when he says, you can call me boob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> well, my best scene would be the dinner scene, 100%. And I love many scenes in this movie. When you first meet Bob in Dr. Marvin's office, this is understated when you first watch it, but this gets better and better every time you watch it. So when Bob first comes in and delivers these lines of, there's two people, there's two kinds of people in this world, people who like Neil Diamond and people who don't. And he's like, my wife loves him. And just, you know, Dr. Marvin is not being a seeming, this does not seem like a brilliant therapist that you would want to go see. He's super not empathetic, you know, as we described in his office setting and his whole demeanor, but it's amazing to see Bob doing his, or Bill Murray doing his thing when he's like, ow, 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 <laughs> as, as he's implied that his wife left him. 
Dr. Marvin, you can help me. And then we get the first time where he walks out of the room with the, the literal baby steps, taking little yes. tiny steps around the room. It's it's just wonderful. So uh, I do love it when the house blows up, though, Chad. Your best shot is one of my favorite scenes, too. Now, best wardrobe or makeup moment, Ooh. Caroline. Well... I'm going to have to go with Don't Hassle Me, I'm Local, because I considered looking on Amazon to buy a matching shirt. <laughs> it's okay. a, Make sure you buy it two sizes too big. Yeah. I was going to say, it has to be oversized. With neon 90s. It's great. Chad, can you top that? I'm going with the Gill Goldfish Necklace. Yes. Like That's just kind of a stroke of genius. I, I realized when Bob walks out without Gill, my immediate thought was, Oh no, he left the goldfish. And then my second thought was, why do I care? <laughs> but it made me care. It made I me pay attention. I'm going to go with Bob's disheveled hair. It yes. is it nice. is just such a characteristic sort of thing that it, it, it shows you that he is crazy, that he is, you know, <laughs> he's just doing his best to walk down the sidewalk. And when the bus rolls by, he's literally rolling on the ground because he can't take it anymore. And there's this sense of the anxiety he feels doesn't come through necessarily. Bill Murray himself is a very cool individual. His hair goes a long way. And, and I love that you said it was like clown hair. I didn't think of that before, but you're right. It's totally clown hair. It kind of right. is. Yeah. Now, change one thing, Caroline. Okay. The one thing I would change, and it's really dumb is the puppets are so funny to me, but I thought they were underutilized. I felt like there could have been a lot more comedy with his family puppets. Did and you want a, did you want a Ziggy scene with the puppet? Yeah, I just wanted more puppetry going on. I thought there were some funny opportunities there. I'm on board. That could be really funny. Thanks, Chad. Chad, how about you? Change one thing. Here's where the critics and I agree. The the ending, I think, is just odd. It's almost too sitcom-y. So I think you can change it where he's slowly coming back to life and just going, no, no, no. But they're already married and everyone just huddles around him and hugs him as he's just muttering no. I think you can close on that instead of what we got. Oh, I like the Seinfeldian just, you know, he's magically brought back from this and this is his world in reality. <laughs> uh, I would say I had a hard time. I have a hard time doing this with movies I really love. So mine, I don't like the font in the opening credits very much. Oh, come and on. Come they, on they, they overlap the words. Like the top of the words kind of goes in front of the, the – the, the, so like if they say Bill Murray, like Murray is kind of like half overlapping Bill. And it's also like this Times New Roman kind of thing with a lot of clefts and stuff. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's appropriate for the jovial, fun nature that we're going to have on this. My DVD has a much nicer font on the front of it, so I want something more playful with the font. <laughs> Please write your letters to Retro Movie Roundtable at yahoo.com on why Russell makes terrible decisions. The font. Just say nothing. Just say nothing. I liked it, Russell. Yes. So now I want to rewatch it just so I can look at the font. When you watch the opening, Gil's doing a great job. He's swimming along the black screen. If you're going to put white text on a black screen, Chad, 
some better thought needs to be put into what font you're using. So I don't, I don't, I don't dare question Master Yoda, who is Frank. All Oz's the money was here. spent on this ridiculous Academy-nominated cinematographer. <laughs> you don't need that. Spend it on just a graphic design person. There's your change one thing. <laughs> All right. Well, what would your best quote be? There's a lot of great stuff here, Caroline. Oh my goodness. This is so hard. Okay. I really, I'm not going to lie. I love when he says, Hmm, is this hand shocked? <laughs> and I also love when he says, you can call me boob. <laughs> Makes me laugh every time. I also love when, okay, this, I'm sorry. I'm saying too many, but I also, uh, when Ziggy's like, I have problems too. And he's like, you're scared. Your bladder's going to explode. Too. <laughs> but there's so many. I, I can't decide. It's okay. You can have some lightning round here too at the yeah. end. Like that with a great movie like this, I think there's room for more. Chad, how about you? The simplest way to put it, I have problems. <laughs> <laughs> I might have just spoiled mine a second ago, but I'd love that. There's two types of people in this world: those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. My ex-wife loves him. It's just so outlandish and so great. I yeah. do love the. But true, also. <laughs> I, I do love the I want some peace and quiet <laughs> I'll be quiet and then Sandy goes I'll be peace and they, they roll on the bed laughing like 6th graders well one of them is but <laughs> yeah that's a great one well we have come full circle Caroline on a 5 star scale with half star intervals what would you rank what about Bob from 1991 I mean I'm going to give a 10 Russell that's the appropriate amount. Yes. <laughs> That's double the allowable amount, but sure. We will allow it though. Oh, you're only allowing it because this is your this is your thing. Uh, I'm gonna give it actual four stars. I'm still gonna surprise wow, you. Wow, that is surprising. I thought I'm, I thought we were headed for worse. Yeah, I thought you were gonna give it two, Chad. No, I I'm not a Bill Murray fan, but I think this one works really well and actually made me laugh. So yeah. you are safe, Russell. Wow. That's that's a relief, and uh, I think I spoiled mine five seconds into the show. I, it's I, my favorite movie, Three Stars. <laughs> I get, I get, I get. We have had people come on the show and do that. This is my favorite movie, Four Stars. And it's there, true. I, yeah. I look, I, I I get off the air and I I text Chad and go, "Who? Why is that not a five star movie for that guy?" Right. <laughs> so, I will say this is a five star movie. It's a ten point five. I will. I love it. So yes. it's great. Uh, I love this movie. Chad, do you want to help me pick a movie for next week? Wait a minute. No. No. Next no. week? What are we doing? It is countdown time. It is list time. So next week on the roundtable, we are revisiting the year 2013. It's a yearly tradition for us. We're going to count down, all five of us, our top 10 movies from 2013. Top 10 from 10 years ago. I like it. Not this... a great year in movies. <laughs> oh, they're all great. Some some are less great than others. Well, I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. <laughs> we'll see. I bet I bet you'll find some new movies that you like. There we go. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. You have been a blast to have on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And 
Thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtip. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Twitter, which I guess is, is, is it called X or is it still called Twitter? It's X. Like, okay. Follow us on X at movie underscore retro emails at retro movie roundtable at yahoo.com and producing and providing this podcast is fun but not free so we invite you to support the show at our patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash retro movie roundtable all contributions are much appreciated and will go towards making you will go towards making the show better for you the listeners as always thank you for listening be good to each other and watch more movies chad so do you have any regrets garfield maybe